Okay, good evening, everybody, and welcome. Tonight's class is titled, A Love Like No Other, Part 2. <clears throat> you know, before we jump in, I want to share about a student of the Magid of Mizrich. The Mizrich Magid had a student who came to him and said, how can I control my thoughts? You know, we learn, Hasidus tells us, that we're in control. We can't blame everything on the rest of the world. We're in control of ourselves. And so the student asked the Magid, he said, hey, how can I gain control over my thoughts that I shouldn't have inappropriate thoughts? So the Magid said, ah, go to such and such a student. You'll get the answer there. So, so the Chassid travels and he comes to the home. It's a little bit after midnight. He peeks inside and he sees that the person is up. There's a candle, he's learning Torah. So he knocks on the door. The person completely ignores him. It's, it's very cold outside. He's banging. He sees the person through the window. He knows he's there. Nope. The guy is completely ignoring him. Finally, a few hours later, the man opens the door, welcomes him in. And he says, welcome, you must be freezing. Oi, oi, what can I do for you? Come next to the fire. Come next to the, come next to the fire. So he brings him next to the fire. And the chassid goes to sleep for the night. He's there for three, four days. When he's getting ready to leave, finally turns to the home, to the person at the home, the Balabais. And he says, tell me, the Magid of Mezrich sent me to you to learn how to control my thoughts. Snoo, so what's the answer? <laughs> Didn't I show you? Right when you arrived, the person says, what do you mean? He says, you knocked on my door and I didn't open it up. Not every time someone knocks at your door do you need to open it up. Not every time a thought knocks on your mind do you need to give it space. Do you need to give it time? You know, I was thinking about this story today even more because the message is even stronger. Just because we have a smartphone just because we have our iPads doesn't mean we need to constantly be looking at our email and looking at the news constantly. We are in control. Very important thoughts. So when someone calls, you do not need to an answer. And that person could, could be as well, the Yetzirah. Okay, here we go. Let's jump into Tanya. Mark, did you want to share something? I said we, we, we have all being conditioned to have FOMO, which is fear of missing out. Yes, yes. FOMO, it's a real thing. And um, you know... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say? I say my, my daughter just um, sent a, uh, a little text from Israel to say that her phone had been off for 52 hours. And she wow. felt so cleansed and free as a result. <laughs> very, and, very true. Um, it was a real sort of, you know, inspiration from my 18-year-old on, like, she's, she's going through 
Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur in Israel and is, is feeling what it's like to take a break and to reflect. And it's quite, it's quite wonderful. Yes. And that's, the, uh, that's our ch challenge is to know, is to not let the FOMO get to us. Uh, but I know very well what you're talking about. Like someone calls and I know I don't need to get it, but sometimes you're like, you, you just have to get it. Like, how do you ignore a call? Your mind, your mind is playing with you. So in this chapter... Is that why you don't pick up my calls that often? <laughs> okay, okay, you got me there, Don. <laughs> so in chapter 50, we're learning about... <laughs> We're learning about how, when we think about how much, how great Hashem is, it brings us to the wording we learned last year was Kleis HaNefesh. That literally our soul wants to leave the body. Our soul wants to expire, become one with Hashem. An incredible level of love. But we learned last week that if you just expire, then you're in trouble, right? We, we said the story of the sons of Aaron, that they had this deep connection with Hashem, and Hashem was very unhappy. We share the story of Rabbi Akiva, when he entered into the secrets of the Torah with four others. So we could get excited, but we can't let the excitement get to us. And here is something fascinating. You know, oftentimes, most often, when we do something, the item itself is the goal. We build a house in order to live in it. We drive to the store to buy food there. When we love Hashem to the extent of wanting to expire, the goal of that love is not, God forbid, to expire. It's the return. So imagine a rocket that shoots up to space. So your love is that rocket. But when you love Hashem so much that you want to expire, that's not good. We don't want you to expire. But what we want is the energy that that love brings you. The fact that you want to expire. That passion. that We want you to keep that energy to allow you to work down here. And by the way, this is a classical song that, that both of you are very familiar with. We have the song, which means, come my beloved, to greet the bride. Let's go greet Shabbos. But Kabbalah tells us, the Kabbalah tells us something much deeper. You know, Kala, Mark and Morabash, listen to this. Kala could mean bride, but Kala could also mean to expire. Kilaisa nefesh, when the soul expires, not expires that it's outdated. Expire meaning that you're uniting with Hashem. So if we translate the, the word Kala as expiring, listen to what it says. Lecha dodi come my beloved. So, so we are talking to Hashem. We're saying, beloved Hashem, come with me. 
Come down to this world. You know why? Because my heart is exploding with this, with this love of expiring. My heart is on fire with this love that wants, wants me to expire, but I know I just, what I really need is for you to come down into this world. And this clarifies a confusing statement. The, in Ethics of Our Fathers, Mit Perkyavis, it says that against your will, we're living now. We would rather be one with Hashem. It's against our will we're living. Okay? Mark, does that make sense to you? Yeah, but let's look at the flip side. Here's the problem. It doesn't make sense. Because it says against your will you're living, but then it says against your will you're going to die. I don't understand. If we want to be alive, okay, so then it's against our will we're going to die. But if we want to be dead, then why is it against our will that we're going to be going to die? And if we want to be alive, why is it against our will that we're, going to, that we're living? It's confusing. Again, the quote is, Against your will, you're living. And against your will, you're going to, you're going to die. I, I don't understand. Which way is it? Mark, tell me the answer. Uh, it's it's neither way and both ways. Ah, oh. ah. Oh. Um, I, I, um, you could. There's that's not. Um, it's not a choice. I think it depends on where you are in your in your life. Ah, ah, ah. Tell me more. Oh boy, um, because. It's, we don't we don't know we don't have a crystal ball that tells us when we're going to die and so that is out of our control it's not a choice i mean we can make certain choices along the way about whether to be healthy and you know not do high risk sports and things like that but we don't know when that when the when the time is up yes Yes, it's, we, we are not familiar. Yeah. It's something only Hashem knows. Morabash, what are your thoughts here? Well, um, when it's time for us to leave this earth, um, it's hard for us to leave this earth because we have become so attached to it. And it's also hard for us to live because there's so much for us to do and accomplish. Okay, the, the paradox of life, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's hard to live and it's hard to die. It's a, uh, yes. So Tanya is going to tell us one thought, which is exactly this point, the paradox of life. Against your will, you're living because really we'd rather be one with Hashem. But against your will, you're going to die because we know that Hashem wants us here in this world. Let's say that again. Our soul wants to be one with Hashem in heaven. So against our will, we're living. But at the same time, our soul knows that the mission is down here in this world. And so death, which stops us from completing Hashem's task, that's against our will. So actually, literally, I want you to imagine in your soul, you have, an, you have 
the arrow up and the arrow down, and it's a constant struggle. The arrow up is telling you, I want to be one with Hashem. The arrow down is telling you that we need to bring Hashem into this physical world. In the terms of Kabbalah, the terminology is Ratsui, running, Vishuva, and returning. There's this constant running and returning back and forth. The paradox of life. I want to be one with Hashem, and that means I want to be in heaven. That's the, the running. But then there's a shuv. There's a reality check that, no, Hashem wants me in this world. So I need to come back. So the moment we stay at one level, so for example, if we're just going to run to Hashem and expire, huh, that's not what Hashem wants. Hashem wants us in this world. But if we just stay in this world and we forget about the spiritual aspect of Hashem, that's not either. So we need to constantly be running back and forth. Running forward, coming backward, running forward, coming backward. Let's see this on page 263, bottom paragraph. The order of the, of the service in occupying oneself with the Torah and commandments. The order of the service in occupying oneself with the Torah and commandments of service derived from the category of the said intense love is in the manner of retreat alone. Ah, ah, beautiful. What does this mean? <laughs> so, when we, the service of Hashem from this love of wanting to expire does not come from the want to expire. It comes from the retreat from that want to expire. As is written in Sefer Yitzira, what does it say? And if your heart hastens, return to one. The Imrat's if your heart wants to run, return to one. What does that mean? The interpretation of the phrase, if your heart wants to run, is the craving, if your soul is craving. And where is your soul? Where's the, where's the holy soul, the godly soul, in the right side of the heart? So when it gains sway and bursts into flame and grows so exceedingly enraptured that the very soul is consumed with the desire to pour itself out into the embrace of its father, the blessed life of life, and to leave its confinement in the corporal, physical body in order to attach itself to him and he be blessed. So the moment your body, your, your soul says, ah, Time for me to expire. I'm ready to connect with Hashem. I'm going to jump into it. Let's go back to the quote of the Zohar. If your heart runs, your heart is running, it wants to expire. At that moment, you have to return to the one, meaning you have to return to the one Hashem. Hashem wants you to bring him down here. Let's see that inside. At that moment, then one must take to heart the teachings of the rabbis of blessed memory. Despite yourself, you live. al in this body. Yeah, you want to expire, but Hashem wants you to live against your will. You need to live. Hashem gives you life in this body, animating it for the purpose of drawing downwards the higher life from the blessed life of life through the life-giving Torah that there may be a dwelling in the lower world 
for his blessed oneness in a revealed state. So what Hashem wants is not for you to expire. Hashem wants you to bring him down into this very world. Okay. Mandel, you know, Mandel, he doesn't like, some, I'm not sure exactly, something I said, obviously, he's, he's upset about. <laughs> maybe he wants you, maybe we're not learning with enough fervor. Okay. So, the first meth, the first part of the quote, against your will you live, meaning, even if you want to connect with Hashem to the level of ex- to expire, no, we have to be down here. We have to bring down the unity of Hashem here. As has been explained, and as is explained in the Holy Zohar, that there be one in one. This is a quote we say in the Friday night davening. What do we say? We want that the oneness above should be the oneness below, meaning, the meaning of which is that the yichud ha'elio, the hidden unity, shall become a a category of the revealed world. The same way Hashem is united and one above, if you go ask the angels in heaven, how many gods are there? How many worlds are, how many different entities are there? They're going to say one. That same oneness that that is above should be down here. So against your will you live. Even though you may want to expire, we need to be down here in this world, bringing the unity of Hashem. By the way, who could tell me a famous quote that we say very often, how our job is to make, is to create unity throughout the entire world? Mark or Basha, please. A famous quote. Okay, it's a famous song. Say it we again. Say, a f- what's a famous song we sing all about how Hashem's unity is going to be one in the entire universe? And God will be king on the whole world. On that day, there'll be one Hashem and one name. What, what does that say? What's that song we all sing? The song is that when Mashiach comes, Hashem unity, the idea that everything is only Hashem, will be completely revealed. And this is the interpretation of the text, like I told you before, where we say, Come, my beloved, and so on. What does it mean, come, my beloved? It's saying that, come, my beloved, to meet the bride, come, Hashem. Hashem is my beloved. Come with me to meet the energy of bride, of when the person wants to expire, to have kolosa nefesh. From this will be understood the adage of the rabbis, despite yourself you live, and despite yourself you die. But it doesn't make sense. As for what shall one's will be indeed? Is my will to live, or is it to die? The answer will be found elsewhere in the lengthy explanation of this Mishnah, despite yourself you live, with the aid of the blessed life of light. So, Let's summarize what we have going on here. We have going on here that there's this incredible passion. Incredible. It's a passion like gold. It's a passion like gold relative to silver. The other types of love we've spoken about, oh, there's silver. You're not going to go just and buy a nice silver, silver ring. You're going to buy a diamond ring. 
If you want to have this passionate love for Hashem that's on the level of gold, that is a love of Hashem thinking about how Hashem is everything and you want to connect with Him. You want to expire from your body. But that is, the point is not to expire. The point is to come to that will to expire and then draw yourself back down like that rocket ship that wants to shoot off, but actually it knows it belongs down here on earth. And so as we approach Yom Kippur, where we act like angels, we act like we don't need any food, we, wear, we dress in white, we say the Baruch Shem Kod Malchus Oliolam Void out loud, which is a trademark secret of the angels. That's why we normally whisper it so they won't get upset at us. It's our mission to want to be an angel. But practically, we have to remain here in this world. So, what's a practical takeaway for you, Morbasha, from what we've learned? Well, I do remember reading this week um, that uh, there are people who, who want to die for Hashem, but it's more important to live for Hashem. Oh, oh, beautiful, beautiful. Actually, I'll just add to that. Hashem doesn't want, he's disappointed with people that die for him. Yeah. Like Nadav Aviyu, who died for him and he was disappointed. Yes. So we should want to die for him. But we shouldn't actually do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, let me clarify the statement more, Basha. Rabbi Akiva, he prayed for the day that he'll be able to give up his life for Hashem. That's a different story. We're not in that, people that gave up their life for Hashem. That is the greatest, the greatest thing that could ever happen to someone. Even the greatest sinner, if he was killed for Hashem's name. He's called a kadosh. He's called a holy person that no one else can reach his level. People that were tragically murdered in the Holocaust or in Israel with the suicide bombings, they, regardless of what they did on this world, if they were doing Torah and mitzvahs or not, being killed because you're a Jew, that is the greatest elevation a soul could have. So much so, Rabbi Yosef Karo, he begged Hashem to allow him to be able to sanctify his name in public by giving up his life for Hashem. And we're told that Hashem didn't give him that reward. Something happened and Hashem didn't give him that reward. Now, now listen to this. Listen to this, Mark. Rabbi Yosef Cairo, he wrote the Shulchan Aruch. He's, he, without him, we wouldn't have the code of Jewish law today. So you understand, we're not talking about a, a random guy in the streets. What we say about him, that he was punished so to speak, that he wouldn't be able to give up his soul for the sanctification of Hashem's name. So Morabasha, bringing this back together, people that want to sanctify Hashem's name in public, that's actually a physical act. What we're talking here about not doing 
is letting your soul leave its body, um, that that is not a physical act. You're not bringing down Hashem further into this world. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I think so. <laughs> Mr. Mark, what's your takeaway? Oh. Um, I don't know. I don't know what my takeaway is. For and um So this concept of if I get if I die because of Hashem die because I'm Jewish or I get killed because I'm Jewish that I'm more elevated that my soul is more elevated Is that what I is that what I heard You heard that someone who gives up their soul for Hashem, who, someone who dies, sanctifying Hashem's name, um, enters a level like no other. Okay. So this is not somebody that just dies under normal circumstances and says the Shema. This is somebody that's died to defend Judaism or right. died because of their, their, their Jewishness. Right. Okay. Right. But what what about the Klois HaNefesh then? I'm not really understanding that apparently. So Klois HaNefesh is the exact opposite. It's not physical. So this is actually a good good kind of conversation, putting it all together. A physical, what we're talking about when we say that you enter a level like no other is when you are killed because you're a Jew. So that's something physical. You are physically giving up your life because you're a Jew. Kleisa nefesh is when your soul leaves its body, not because you're a Jew, not because someone's hurting you, just out of excitement for Hashem. Mm -hmm. That's not physical. That's completely spiritual. And that's disappointing to Hashem. Kalaisa nefesh, in other words, is taking your own life. Oh. You're committing suicide. Oh. Except it's a suicide out of love. And we know that Hashem does not want, Hashem wants a Jewish person here on this world. Mm-hmm. But what about the Jews on the top of Masada? What about them? Well, they committed suicide to escape the Romans. Right, right, right. So, the question you're asking, unfortunately, it's it's uh, even it's even relevant from uh, much more recent times. We have stories during the pogroms. I think there were even some stories during World War II where basically people understood that they're going to be killed, and. Uh, 
could they take their own life? And the truth is, whoever, whatever people did, we have to say is a holy thing. Um, but if you're asking, let me, let me quantify that statement. More, more what I meant to say is, it's not our job to look back at people and judge them. Okay. Um, in other words, to have a conversation of should they have given up their life or not, that's, that's not a conversation that uh, would be helpful. Does that make sense? Yes. But what we, what, we, what we do know is that there are circumstances where these conversations were brought up and they're very, very difficult conversations to have. Can you take your life in advance of someone else? Extremely tough conversation. Um, have we ever spoke about the CME's twins that were born? I, I know I've mentioned it in passing. But I'll, I'll... Um, you, um, go describe them in a. Obviously, there's a different context. Yeah, but I'll, it's it's a it's a a little similar. So, or you know, now there's a big conversation about abortion. So we could even talk about abortion in this in in, in this. It, it all plays in. Basically, the question is: At what point can you take someone's life? And in Judaism, we believe that a child inside of his mother's mother is a human being. So if a child, if the fetus is threatening the mother, what can be done? Who, whose life takes precedence over whose? Anyone? Thought I heard that it was the mother. Mother's life. The mother's life. So I'm not, I haven't learned this recently, but my understanding is it's the mother's life until any limb of the child has emerged from the, from the mother. So the moment she started giving birth and the child has begun to come out of her body, my understanding is at that time, they're, they're both, they're two human beings. And we, we can't take one life over another at that moment. With the exception, and that's what's fascinating about this case of the CME's twins, if one person is killing another, then you could defend the person being killed. Let me give you an example. So these two children were born together and the doctors made it clear that if they're not separated they're both going to die very fast however if they're separated one of them will die immediately very very rough story again if they're not separated they're both going to die fast if you separate one of them the other one will die, die immediately. What do you do? You sacrifice one for the other because you're creating life. 
so halacha tells us you're not allowed to kill someone. Tell me more about your logic. I, I lost you, Mr. Mark. Well, Mark, how could I, I, I don't? How could you so, kill one? So, you either lose both, which is a, which is a double loss, or you lose one, but you create a life with having one live and survive and become a functioning human being. Yeah, but how do you decide who, who's supposed to die? Now you're being God if you make that decision. Hashem actually tells but, us... But hasn't, hasn't Hashem given medical science the ability to save the one over the other? But let's say both of them could equally live. Only one, but only one. How are you going to decide who's going to die? Who's going to live? As uh, a flip of a coin. I don't know. So actually, the halacha tells us you're not, allowed to, you're not allowed to kill anyone. You're not allowed to kill. I'll give you another example. So, so, uh, so based on the story you've just told us, then both, both of them would die. Wait, wait, yes, but I'll get back to that story in a second. I'll give you another example. If an army surrounds a city and they say, give us one person and we'll let all of you, you remain alive or we'll kill all of you. Let me say the story again. They come to town and they say, give us one person to kill or we kill everybody. The Torah law is everybody needs to be killed. You can't give one person to be killed. Because we don't just give up, we don't throw people around. Or in the words of the Gemara, we don't say his blood is redder than my blood. No. So going back to the story of the twins, there was this actually tragically was uh, an Orthodox couple and Ramosha Feinstein got involved mm-hmm. and he made the following ruling. He said, it was understood from these two children that one of them had more of a heart than the other. Meaning that baby B was in a sense killing baby A. And based on his understanding of the scenario, he he determined that baby B is considered in a sense, a killer, and you're allowed to make baby A stay alive. It's a tragic story, but that was, that was what they did. That was what they did. And is that what happened? One, one died and one... Yes, though not for very long. Unfortunately, the other one got sick a little later and passed away as well. But yes, that is what, that is what happened. Why did we, how, how did we come to this? Because we were talking about giving up your name, giving up your life for Hashem. Yeah. We digressed a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Mark, I, uh, Mark, any, any other questions on that topic? No, I just got to absorb it. Okay. Um, you know what I'll do is I will email both of you. It's very, that, that article I, I shared with you, it's, it's a very fascinating halacha conversation. 
Um, and if you email me, I'll be happy to share it with you. 